0: But it's time to look forward. I hope you've begun to to read the Draw the Circle. Many of us started already last year, and I tell you, it has challenged me to the core. It's challenged me to really examine, do I really believe in the power and promises of God when it comes to my prayer life? Am I willing to draw that circle and pray persistently and confidently until God reveals his answer, even if it's no or if it's not yet? Or if it's, I have something else in mind, and of course, I love when it's yes. But I hope we're all together going to really commit to drawing that circle in our lives. And so, after a lot of prayer, and we even got a great time with our city group leaders who got to get away right before the end of the year, to really just reflect back on what God has done, and at the same time, to get vision for the future. And at that retreat, I actually was reading one of the chapters of Draw the Circle, and this phrase just stuck out. It, just, it felt like this needs to be our theme. If God is for us, dot, dot, dot. In other words, we need to, in 2016, complete this phrase. Show the next slide. If God is for us, then blank. What is that answer going to be for you, for us? I mean, I have some in mind already, and we shared about it at our retreat. If God is for us, then absolutely we're going to find a home or homes for our church. Right? Wait a minute, I I don't feel a confidence behind that. See, I think what pauses us all is that question, if there are conditions involved, not in limiting God, in our limits to believing it. And really, when you look at this statement, it's not really meant to be like, oh, I hope. It really is a statement of truth that since God is for us, what can stand against us? And that comes from a great passage in Romans chapter 8. Let's read in verse 31, the actual verse. What then shall we say in response to these things? Now, whenever you see a phrase like that, if you want to really be good at your Bible study, you got to go back, do you not? Because you got to know what are these things. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I will highlight it. But you can go back and read verses 1 through 30 of chapter 8. It's a great chapter, one of my favorite chapters in Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us? But before we answer that second question... We've got to discuss the first one. What are these things? For it's in response to these things that we need to answer the second question with faith. See, the word if, which Paul uses, does not denote doubt. It's a conclusion, a consequence, an affirmation signifying since. The argument is this. God is so evidently for us that nothing or no one can successfully be against us. However, the things mentioned in the first part of this verse actually are reference to the many opposing forces that are against us, especially as followers of Christ. They are against us. But through the power of God and the promises of God, They will not be successful against us. When you read in context, and you can go back and read, you'll find the things that we need to respond to and to really believe that God is for us, even despite these things that are against us. What's the first one mentioned is in verse 1 of chapter 8. Condemnation. That's against us. That is the state of all of us. Before grace. We are condemned. That's against us. And you know when you've ever been condemned. True or not. The feelings it it creates. The angst. The frustration. The disappointment. But most of our condemnation has nothing to do with God. It has to do with our choices. We chose certain things that condemned us. Because we are in opposition to God's will. In verse 2. Sin is against us. And we are all sinners, are we not? And sin is destructive. Even the sins that we may not see the consequences initially actually are just as destructive. Maybe no one knows that sin, but God does, and you do. And that causes you to not be your full self. It causes you to be separated whether you realize it or not. We should not hold back our sin. Instead, we should confess it. We should deal with it so that it's no longer against us because God has an answer for it. In Romans 8, eight, our sinful nature. So there's the actual act of sins that are against us, but then there's that sinful nature in each and every one of us. And what it really refers to in the passage is the sinful nature that simply wants to please oneself rather than pleasing God. Anyone here have sinful nature? If your hand's not up, that's part of your sinful nature, (laughs) in case you're wondering. Verse 18, sufferings are against us. We saw the sufferings. I tell you, that was so humbling as our whole family on on the first went down to help. You know, and it was tiring. I was sore (laughs) when I finished, but I got to go back home to a full home. I don't have to wake up the next day with still no roof over my head. And there are people suffering. And I hope if you haven't made the time, you will have opportunity to serve. The the Guys, this is the long suffering I talked about at the end of last year. We're going to need to continue to help our neighbors. And we'll provide those opportunities, but none of us should be sitting in our seat and doing nothing. You're not being a true lover of your neighbor if you do nothing. And there's a lot you can do without lifting a thing. You could buy big gift cards that we could give to these families that we've been helping as they try to rebuild. And I was so encouraged in humanity, seeing no matter what race, no matter what economy, no matter what faith, they came together to serve in any way that they could. If they couldn't lift, they went around giving waters to those who could. If they had a a chainsaw, he just went around the neighborhood. This guy just had a chainsaw go, hey, what do you need cut? There's something you can do. And I was so encouraged to see our neighbors Helping one another, and I hope you participate in that because there are sufferings. No one is exempt from sufferings. This one we don't like, especially those of us who are getting older, decay. Yeah, that's a ooh, that's a word I, I just don't like that feeling. As I mentioned last week, my eyes are decaying. Gotta wear reading glasses now. That's just wow, what happened? Decay. We're all experiencing it. You have homes that decay. You know, that was the one hopeful thing that one of the men that we helped, he says, well, at least I'll get a new home. I appreciate his resilience, you know, because we don't want want decay. We're dying all the time. Romans 8.22, pain. This pain can take many forms. It can be physical pain. Some of us who have disabilities where you're waking up every morning and you're just reminded instantly of the pain. You can have the emotional pain. Those who are mourning, those who are grieving, those who've lost jobs, those who feel disconnected, feel isolated, are depressed. We can have emotional pain. We can have spiritual pain as well. Some caused by ourselves, some caused from outside forces. But there's pain that is against us. And then Romans 8.26 adds weakness. We are weak. It's against us. Often we feel it limits us. So all these things are against us, but they don't have to be successfully against us. But we need to also refer not only to things, but what about the who that is against us? It's clearly stated in the scriptures in 1 Peter 5.8, one who, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Truly, we have a who that is against us. He hates us. He's our accuser. But you know, that's not the only who we need to be concerned about. There's one that's even of greater enemy than Satan. It's the greatest enemy of the cross for every one of us. It's self. You know, in the end, guys, we will not be able to blame God because he's for us. We will not be able to blame our neighbor, even if they're against us. We won't even be able to blame Satan. Our eternal outcome will be determined by what we do with self. That's the who. Who? That is our mortal enemy, and that's against us. Look at this passage early in Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You know, it says if God is for us, it's stating that God is for us, but there's our part in this equation. God's will is set in his mind, but he will never compromise your free will. He wills for all men to be saved. That's said many times throughout the scriptures, but not everyone will be, will they? Because there's a self, a free will that we have to deal with. It's what's against us more than all the other things. And often all those other things are so powerful against us because we look at how it affects us rather than how it could glorify God even through those sufferings. So there are antagonists in this spiritual battle. And we are not free from the responsibility of our choices. But we've got to get to a point to believe the next part of the verse. If God is for us, then who can be against us? How do we truly know that God is for us? Our faith in the statement is important. If we are to be successful as God desires. Let's read on. To believe and know why, with confidence, that God is for us. Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Notice that they're all questions. Because even though in God's mind it's set that he's for us, your faith determines whether it's a reality. It's a question because you've got to answer it. You've got to believe it. It doesn't matter if he believes it. It doesn't matter if I believe it. You've got to answer this question for you. Is God for you? It's a question. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Well, we know there is someone. But it is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? We know there are. No one. What? What? But we know there's things against us. In God's eyes, they're not successfully against us if we rely on him. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Question. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death. All day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Your amen is the response to how much you believe that. We are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Amen. We are more than conquerors. Amen. Your response shows what you really believe. I would hope that every voice in this room said it with confidence. But that's the reality. That's the sober reality. is even though this is God's promise, we don't always feel it, do we? We don't always believe it. We don't always see God really being for us even though he may be, but says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch it? Did you see the answers of why we need to believe with confidence God is for us? If not, I'm going to go back through it. I want to specifically look at the four reasons we should believe that God is for us. Then who can be successfully against us? The first one is this. We know that God is for us because he has given us his son. Isn't that what it said? Earlier in the chapter, Romans 8.3 says this. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. God sent his own son for us. He added in verse 32, he gave him up for us. If he was willing to do that, is there anything? And then he adds, along with him. That kind of gives us a condition. That without him, the rest can't happen. Without Jesus, without the Son of God, without us being in him, maybe the rest will never be realized. But it's asking the question, if he's willing to already, and he already did, give up his son, and you believe that, how much more is he willing to graciously give along with him? It always begins with Jesus. And even though we may have a new theme by title, the theme for this year is, as always every year, Jesus. Because it's only because of Jesus that God is for us. He would have to be against us if not for what the son accomplished. We have got to believe God is for us because he gave us Jesus. He gave up his son. And if you're visiting today and you don't really know this Jesus, this amazing gift, do not leave without asking someone to share him with you. And those of us who do know him, we need to get to know him better. And we got to get to know him better so that we can share him better with others. I don't know if you noticed, guys, we have a lot of extra seats. That's on purpose. We were packing this out in the other form, and that was limiting people from hearing God's message, from worshiping God with us. And so I said, let's just open it up and let's fill these seats. You might go, but Derek, you said that we may only be here two months. Yeah, so we got to work quick. Right? Who is the person that's going to be next to you because God is for us? Could it be one of your prodigal sons or daughters who you've given up on, who others have given up on? If God is for us, could they not be returned? Could that be the name that's going to sit next to Clint next week? Who is that going to be if God is for us? Could it be that marriage that you've had no hope for changing even some of our own members are going through some pretty hard challenges right now because of sin. Even divorce is on the, on the table. That's sad, but it's the reality of what sin does in our lives. But if God is for us, could even that be overcome? That even that enemy against us cannot be successful. If God is for us. Maybe there's that sin that you tried over and over in 2015, but it just felt like you failed again and again. But if God is for you, could that be the last time it ever occurs? Yes! Yes. Because he's given us his son. If that's not enough reason, let's go to the next one. We know that God is for us because he justifies us. What's that mean? Well, Galatians 2.16, I think, describes it well. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. In other words, you're not justified by anything you do or are doing or will do. But by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law... No one will be justified. There's still a lot we have to do as disciples, but what you doing it doesn't justify you. Jesus justifies you. And because he's justified you, that's why you should want to do it. You should want to please him. You should want to be in accordance with his will rather than yours. I always love how Gordon Ferguson described it in his great book on Romans, which I encourage all of you to read. It's an excellent book, Romans I love his his tagline, if if you get Romans, it gets you. But I love how he says justified, it's like justified, never sinned. That's a beautiful way to describe justified. But who does it? Not you. No matter how how many times you get on your knees, no matter how many times you put in the plate, no matter what you want to do or not do, that doesn't justify you. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do the right things. But we do it because of our gratitude of what God did. He justifies us. How did he do that? Through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, also there in Romans 8 and verse 33, it makes it clear. It is God who justifies. So that person, maybe they're even in this room, that you feel, man, they're a lost cause. Not to God. Because you're not the one who justifies them. You can judge them all you want. You want to do that? But be careful. As you judge, you'll be judged. That's why I always choose I'm going to be very graceful because I'm going to need that someday. need it all the time. need it every day. So I need to be graceful every day. But it is God who justifies. But, Derek, you don't understand. They are just in their sin. I know. And we were there once too. But it's God who justifies. God can still work in that person if God is for us then who can be successful against us we need to believe that why because it is god who justifies that's not enough let's go on to the third one it's all in this passage we know that god is for us because jesus is interceding for us and not the human limited flesh of jesus interceding it's the risen lord and savior that's interceding that's a big difference He knows what's going on, and he's interceding for you. He may be doing it this very moment. Maybe in your heart you know that there's something you got to get off your chest. You just haven't said it, and he's up there going, I'm going to intercede for him. I'm going to pray that somehow, some way, some circumstance, some dream, some prayer, some stranger, some voice, some phrase will move your heart to do the right thing. He's interceding for us. That's just just imagining Jesus standing before God going, hey, God, I know he's blowing it right now. I know he is being rebellious. I know he's being stubborn. But, man, I died for him. He's my brother. Please give me some time to help him. And, God, if he will not repent, I understand that. But uh, he's, he's fighting for us. He's fighting for your spouse. He's fighting for your children. He's fighting for your neighbor. He's fighting for your enemy. He's interceding for us. Just imagining that. Wouldn't that change your prayer life? Hey, God, Jesus, while you're up there, here's a few more things. Because you're good at this. Hebrews 7.25 gives us this picture. Therefore, he is able to save completely... Not save partially, not save hopefully, completely, those who come to God through him. See, there are conditions to promises. If we don't go through Jesus, no matter how much God wants to save you, he can't go against free will. But man, if you'll deny yourself, you'll carry your cross, you'll follow Jesus, then there's nothing God can't do. For us, for you, for me. Because he always lives to intercede for them. You know, we often say in marriage, don't use the word always or never. But I like this always. It doesn't say that Jesus only when you're doing good intercedes. It says he always intercedes. When you're doing terrible, when you're a direct rebellion to him, he's still interceding. That doesn't mean you should continue in your rebellion. Because I have a feeling when the Lord intercedes for you, he also puts things in motion that will humble you. Because he knows humility will help you. So I've learned to pray, God, give me humility rather than say humble me. One's the result, the other's the process. Process much harder. But he is interceding always. I want, I, you need to wake up every morning as you're drawing that circle. You need to understand that he's already up there praying for you. He's interceding for you. He knows your weakness. He knows your fears. He knows your doubts. How? How, Derek? Because he's the Lord. But I, I understand that. But how does he really know? Well, there's a reason, and he answers that in Romans. Very passage we're reading. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Even though it's against us, it doesn't have to be successful against us. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever been there? you just waking, you're like, you know, you got to pray. And you're just like, oh, oh, that's a prayer, believe it or not. <laughs> you may not know what to pray for. You're just, you're just groaning before the Lord. It's a good thing he's interceding, right? He's not the one moaning up there. He's got specific things he's interceding for. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans wow. Shouldn't that give us hope in every brother and sister, no matter how they're doing? That doesn't mean, though, we just let them off to the side. I mean, that's one of the things in 2016 I think we as a church have to do better of is look after our brother and sister to have the long suffering. It's not easy. We got to fight ourselves. We got to fight our schedules. We got to fight of all the things that are against us. But man, we got to be there for each other as God is for us we got to be there for one another. And he who searches our hearts, what? What would that say? If you're a disciple of Jesus who was baptized in his name and were forgiven of your sins because you repented and began to follow him, then he gave you the gift of the Spirit. And what's that Spirit doing? It searches our hearts, and it knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the Spirit's looking at your heart right now. It was looking at it while you were sleeping. It was looking at when you got, went to bed and how you got up this morning and how you were on the way to church. It was searching. And it was knowing what's going on. It's knowing the real reasons for the fears and the doubts and the angst and the rebellion. It knows all those things and it's communicating to Jesus who is always interceding. That's how Jesus is able to always know, because if we have the Spirit in us, it's interceding for us. It's going, Jesus, Derek's being a, just a numbskull. Here's your will, it's clear, he even read it this morning, but he's choosing this way. The Spirit is examining our hearts and our minds, and then he compares it to God's will, and then starts interceding. Wow. In other words, if we would be more in accordance with God's will, if we would open up his will, we'd get in that word every day, every moment, every situation. We need his guidance, his direction, his strength, his power. Then it can help us to be in accordance with that will. How much easier our Christian lives will be. Our Christian lives are hard not because of God and the Spirit. They're hard because we're in rebellion. Because we're not in accordance with. doesn't mean we won't still suffer. Because Jesus suffered. Doesn't mean we won't still have weakness. Jesus had weakness. But man, he was in touch with the Spirit, and he did what God called him to do. Not my will, but your will be done. The Spirit is interceding for us this very moment. Even saying the words you don't know how to say. And he says it even when you're not doing well. He says it when you're doing great. How encouraging is that fact it's not just an idea. we got to really believe this. When you look to your brother and sister next to you, you got to believe that spirit is in them. And even if you can't help, you can pray to Jesus, who's hearing the spirit inside them, to intercede. You don't think this is true? This is how you'll know it's true, because it happens all the time to me. Derek, Derek, was my name on that first point? How did you know? Did my wife call you? Did my son tell you something? Like How did you know know to address me? I didn't, as much as that would be cool and all. I didn't, but I'm praying to Jesus. Your spirit, even if you're not praying to Jesus, is praying to Jesus. And that spirit then communicates to me through the word, through prayer, through others. And I go, that seems important. Let's address that. And all of a sudden you're going, whoa, how did he know? Because the spirit knows. And if we are more in touch with the spirit, how much better could we help one another? how much better could we truly be disciples to one another if we're in connection with that spirit and believe that God is for us because Jesus is always interceding for us. But there's one more. It's probably my favorite of the four, but all of them are needed in my life. <laughs> we know that God is for us because through him we are more Than conquerors. But Derek, I don't feel like it. Okay? I don't see it. Okay? I don't have evidence of it. Okay? But it's not a question of what you see, what you feel, or what evidence you have. It's a fact because God said it. And either you believe it or you don't. And your faith will limit that being a reality in your life. But it doesn't limit God. We are more than conquerors. You know what that actual word in Greek translated means? Supreme victory. Not just victory. We're not talking you won with a last-minute three-pointer. We're talking like you have a football game that's 150 to 1. It's supreme victory. It's not just, oh, got by, barely won. No, this is supreme victory. I know we, we don't get to see that much in Dallas, unfortunately. Okay, supreme victory. But that day could come. Okay, okay that day could come. Supreme victory. Uh, we're waiting for it, all right? But that, that's what is promising, supreme victory. But if we're honest, we often don't feel that way. Things much less than angels, demons, power seem to defeat us. Insecurity, criticalness financial stress, disrespect, isolation, peer pressure, the list goes on. We can't always see it. We don't always feel it. We don't always live like it. But it is true nonetheless. We are more than conquerors. We need to believe it. And though we may not in our modern society strap a sword and Face our enemies like a warrior, but we are all capable of being a conqueror in our schools. 2016, what are these conquerors going to do in our campus ministry? 2016, what are our teens going to be in their school? What kind of conquerors? What about our workplace? You could be a conqueror in your work, but Derek, I've been there 20 years, not helped a single person. Maybe that was 20 years of selling. And now's the time to conquer. There's a process to victory. It's not over. Maybe it's in your family. This is the year, brothers. This is the year you're not going to hear one complaint from your wife that you don't lead your family spiritually because you're more than a conqueror. You're going to lead your family so spiritually, your wife will complain that you're too spiritual because it's supreme victory. It's not just getting by. You'll be like, hold up, husband. I can't keep up with you spiritually. Yes, supreme victory, right? You can be a conqueror in your marriage. You could be a conqueror. You could conquer whatever is that thorn that's limiting the beauty and gift that marriage can be when we're in submission to God's will. It's an amazing thing. You could be a conqueror. Maybe it's in that individual righteousness. This is the year. Supreme victory. Not, oh, I'll be good for a while and then fall again. No, I'm saying supreme victory. In fact, you're not just going to give up impurity. You're going to fight lust itself. In fact, you're no longer going to even look at a man or look at a woman in as, a, as possession or as an object of desire. You're going to look at them as a lost daughter or son of God that God has chosen you to conquer Satan's traps and save their soul. Amen. That's the victory. That's the conqueror. God is for us. But do you believe it? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We all know the rest of that passage in Romans 8, how nothing can separate us. In other words, never will God allow another person be the reason for separation. But it does exclude one entity from that list. Self. No one can separate us. We can never blame someone else for our separation. But it does not say you can't. You can separate yourself. You could be in rebellion to God. You can let go of Jesus who's reaching out to you that no one else can break. In the end, it will never be God because God is for us. In the end, it will never be the things against us because God is for us. Never will it be our enemy, Satan, because God is for us. But if you let go... Because free will, then you're no longer that conqueror. You no longer have the victory. We got to deal with self. You can choose to be separated by your choices and your actions. If you haven't realized by now, God is for us because of only one person Jesus Christ. That's why being a disciple of Jesus is at the core of all of this. And we're going to study out the rest of this year how God is for his people. We're going to look at Old Testament stories. We're going to look at New Testament stories. We're going to just examine how God really is for us. But at the same time, we need to address self, the real enemy, the only thing that actually in the end can separate because nothing else can. For God is for us. What have we learned today? God is for us because he has given us his son. God is for us because he justifies us. God is for us because Jesus is always interceding for us and through his spirit that he gives us. God is for us because through him we are more than conquerors. All of these are possible because of Jesus. We may not always see, feel, or even believe that God is for us, but we must have faith in Jesus and his word so that even when it doesn't look or feel good, we can still be faithful in God's power and promise. I close with this verse in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Many things seem to be working against us, but God causes even these things to work for our good. We will continue to examine through the scriptures how God is for us, but at the same time, we must answer this question, are you for God? Let's make a decision to know the answer to that question with complete confidence, And to continue to grow in our trust of God's promises and God's power. So that we can finish this statement. If God is for me, then blank. I can't wait to see what God through you, through his word, through prayer and through the power of his spirit. And through the body of this church will be the answer to that blank. If God is for us, we're dismissed. Amen.